talk about how virtue ethics is relevant to Christian sanctification. And to do that, I want to say a few words first about what virtue ethics is. Virtue ethics is a way of thinking about the moral life that traces all the way back to the ancients, ancient philosophers, particularly Aristotle. And in some ways it's a common sense view of the moral life. Aristotle thought that if you wanted to think well about the moral life, you should first ask yourself, what is an excellent human life? And only when you have before your mind a picture of an excellent human life are you ready to ask further questions like, what kinds of skills make possible an excellent human life? And then what kinds of practices make the development of these skills possible? So it's sort of like thinking about the whole human life in the way that we often think about more restricted domains of human life, like learning a craft or learning how to play a sport. If you think about how we teach someone to play basketball, we first think about excellent basketball players. And then we move back from that to think about the skills that make for an excellent basketball player. And then we move further back and ask, what kinds of practice do you need to do to develop those skills? Aristotle thought that that's how you should think about the moral life in general. In fact, ethics is just the discussion of human excellence for the ancient philosophers. And the set of skills that are needed on Aristotle's view for an excellent human life, he called the virtues. For him and many other ancients, there were four cardinal virtues, wisdom, justice, courage, and temperance. And the idea was that if you could find a set of practices that enabled people to develop those virtues, you would put them in position to lead excellent human lives. A couple of other things I think are important for understanding how virtue ethics might be relevant to Christian sanctification. One is that Aristotle thought that if you want to live a life that is satisfying and that is not fragmented, you needed to pay particular attention to human emotion and human desire. So it's not enough to simply force yourself or be motivated by duty to do the right thing at every moment. Rather, the ideal is to be inclined to do the right thing. And we see this again when we think about those who are excellent in, say, a sport. If you think about what makes LeBron James so excellent, it's that he just naturally reacts in the moment in a way that enables him to do the best thing. So the goal of the moral life for Aristotle is not just to do the right thing, but it's to do the right thing from the, for the right reasons, with the right motives, with what he calls a settled state of character. So the ideal is to have our desires shaped so that we naturally incline to do that which makes for an excellent human life. Now, if you think about the way that most modern people think about the moral life, you'll notice that a couple things are missing from the ancient description. One, Aristotle doesn't talk a whole lot about rules. And two, Aristotle doesn't talk a whole lot about the rightness and wrongness of discrete acts. That's not because he didn't think there was a place for rules or for the evaluation of discrete acts. But Aristotle thinks those things are secondary. In some ways, modern moral philosophy switches this around. Modern moral philosophy focuses on the rules that we need to live a moral life and achieve agreement on what is good and bad. 
and on the evaluation of discrete acts. I think the reason that virtue ethics is so helpful when we think about Christian sanctification is that Christian sanctification similarly is about moving beyond the sort of duty-bound, uh, the duty-bound rule following, and it's the hope that our hearts are actually transformed, that we gain a new nature so that we follow in the way of Jesus and do the things that God loves out of deep desire and inclination. Virtue ethics then gives us a way of structuring that conversation. So, virtue ethics suggests that we ought to think about the kinds of virtues that make it possible for us to naturally, so to speak, follow in the way of Jesus, and it directs us to think about the practices that make possible the formation of those virtues. If you think about the New Testament, it has a lot to say about both of those things. It lists virtues that make us capable of imaging God, virtues like love, faith, hope, kindness, patience, so on and so forth. And it also gives us practices for the formation of those virtues. Practices like love of the neighbor, care for the widow and orphan, visiting the sick, and also practices what we call sacraments like Holy Eucharist and baptism. One final comment about the relationship between virtue ethics and Christian sanctification. There have been critics of virtue ethics. Most notably, Martin Luther hated virtue ethics. and He said many nasty things about Aristotle. The reason Martin Luther was suspicious about virtue ethics is because that he worried that virtue ethics was a way of enabling human persons to live well through their effort alone. So he worried that focusing on virtue ethics would displace grace from the center of the conversation. This is indeed something that Christians should be concerned about. But I see no reason to think that thinking in terms of virtue and practice needs to displace grace. I'm drawn to the vision that Aquinas had on this question. Aquinas thought that God cooperated with us in the formation of holy virtues. He thought that God had given us the natural endowments that made it possible for us to develop natural virtues, but also that by special grace, God had revealed to us our new end, our new destiny, that God had given us special practices called the sacraments and the works of mercy to enable us to develop holy virtues, and finally, that God had given us the Holy Spirit who encourages us and empowers us at every step along the way. <laughs>